0: My name is Andrew Green. Uh, I was actually born in Minnesota, but we lived in uh, the Winkler Morden area for about um, almost 30 years. From the time I was six years old till around 24. Uh, So I consider it home uh, very much so when I think about where I grew up, it is the Pemina Valley. Uh, I've been in Hawaii now for about 15 years.
1: Okay, awesome. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about when those fires uh, started and and when, you know, just the story of of what has happened so far up until today.
0: The fire started on Tuesday, and it's actually not uncommon to hear about brush fires. In the last few years, we've been seeing more of it since the uh, sugarcane farming has stopped and the fields are kind of dry. So it's not really surprising, and most of us were not on uh, really high alert when the fire started. Uh, because it's somewhat common. But when it started getting closer to Lahaina and damaging structures, then people started paying closer attention. But um, as the fires progressed and started burning buildings, and this, Lahaina is the heart of Maui, uh, if you can imagine it, I guess I would compare it to Winkler in the Pemina Valley. Uh, it's like uh, a hub for the area. Uh, for a lot of the locals and things. So it started burning through Lahaina, and there was intense winds, which made it almost impossible to fight, like 60, 70-mile-an-hour winds. And the fire began just ripping through commercial buildings and homes, kind of with no warning. None of our emergency warning systems sounded or anything like that. Um, And the family members that we're talking to literally had seconds to get out of their houses uh many people got stuck in traffic and didn't make it out of the fire
1: oh and
0: i think they're saying right now it's been about twenty twenty five hundred 2500 structures in total that have burned and i think it was 86 percent of them were residential
1: right and do you know how many lives have been lost already
0: uh, so far, they're, I think the total count is about 98, uh, but with that, they're saying they've only covered about 5% of the search area. Uh, I've, I've talked to a few first responders on the ground, and they're anticipating um, that number multiplying by quite a bit. Uh, I would anticipate it probably being closer to about 1,000, but again, we don't have any verified information. Right. Um, the fire was burning uh, engine blocks in cars, and so the search is moving so slowly because uh, basically anybody that was caught in the fire, there's very little left, so they're having to do DNA matches and things like that with what they can find.
1: Describe to me a little bit of the culture uh, before the fire. What is that area like as far as connection and connection to each other and, and uh to, uh, your your mom mentioned a little bit of connection to the land as well.
0: For sure, Lahaina is one of the oldest um, cities in Hawaii, and it was the capital. Like during the early days, this had been like the seventeen, eighteen hundreds. Uh, it was it was the capital. It was where everything happened. A lot of these ships came into Lahaina, and so there's so much history. And even in the infrastructure there. Um, they maintained a lot of the older buildings, and so it evolved over time, but it evolved without eliminating um, its own history. And so the people um, are so rooted in that part of the island uh, this is their this is their home and their connection to the land is very very much based in this area. so uh, the loss is so much more than material, it's really a legacy of the past that's been lost and then a legacy for the future that feels like it's lost because obviously hoping to continue to pass it down through generations.
1: Yeah. What is the feel in the air or with, with people when you're amongst the people? What is, what is the the spirit and, and the feel?
0: So it's, It's awesome to see. So Maui, especially, and I think all of the islands, they have such a strong sense of family and community that almost instantly, beyond the response from the government, Red Cross or FEMA, the local people have overwhelmingly been supporting and supplying things. Um, It's been great. But at the same time, when you sit with people, Uh, I think so many of us are still just in shock. I see people just sitting, kind of staring off into space or staring at a wall, just trying to process everything that's happened. Um, We're used to evacuating areas uh, for hurricanes and things like that, and so it's almost like this feeling like in a few days maybe we get to go back to our homes, but uh, the reality is it's not the case uh, anymore. There's nothing, just nothing left of the town at all.
1: This is a very personal experience for you and and your wife's family. Can you share a little bit more about how it has impacted you directly?
0: For sure. Um so we lost a house in the fire. Thankfully, it was a newer renovation. There was nothing inside the house for us personally. Uh within my wife's family, I think we've counted over 20 homes that were lost. Uh just connected to us directly, and that represents about 50 families or so. The way that people survive here is multiple families living in in one home, and so with the 20 homes lost, it represents around 50 families. Um, just the tip of the iceberg as far as uh, the loss that happened here, but even that's been overwhelming, so our focus has been our family and it's been overwhelming we're just trying to find people places to stay make sure everybody has food to eat and all the essentials and things like that
1: you uh have shared a picture of me with uh your with a cousin here and the family can you share a little bit of their story
0: sure um so Grandma, I think, was in that picture, and then beside them, is that the one you're talking about with the family?
1: Uh, you have two pictures, yeah. You have uh, Cousin Adrian and Renell, and then below is, is the Grandma. You can, yeah. you can share that whole story, yeah.
0: Sure. So Adrian and Rennell lived in an apartment complex. I was talking to them yesterday. None of their fire systems in their building were going off, and there was no warning system for them. Um, luckily, Adrian looked out the window, and he started to see the smoke, And um, they grabbed a pair of clothes, which is usually what we do when we evacuate, is just grab a few essentials and get out. Um, And then they saw their apartment complex go up in flames, and so they lost everything completely and got out with pretty much just the clothes that they were wearing and uh, one other change of clothes. Um, So we have them... We found them a temporary place to stay on the other side of the island right now and have been supporting them, trying to get them what they need. And they're also connected to the other pictures of so their cousins uh, and grandchildren of Grandma. and Grandma's the real legacy here, and Grandpa passed away a couple years ago, but they came from the Philippines um, with absolutely nothing and worked in the pineapple fields here. And slowly, very slowly and with a lot of hard work built, built a life for for them and for their children and now their grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And that house was a big part of it. Uh, their legacy, I guess. It was a safe place for their grandchildren and their children. It was a place that we, we did all of our gatherings and things at. And so it's a pretty incredible loss. Uh, beyond just the material things, I think more of what it represented to all of us in the family was was what grandma and grandpa built uh, from nothing.
1: And the nice picture of them being reunited, share with me a little bit about why they needed to be reunited.
0: Sure, so during the evacuation, there was basically two directions to go in West Maui. You could head further west uh, or you could head south. There was no cell phone service, and no power on that side of the island. So as people were evacuating um, and with traffic, people ended up in total different directions and then with no connection. So there was a lot of panic because nobody could locate. For the first few days, nobody could uh, locate family members and things like that. And so Adrian and Ronel and their family went to one place, and then with traffic... Uh, the cousins and grandma ended up at another shelter further down the road. And so by the time we got everybody back to the same side of the island, I guess it was from Wednesday all the way until yesterday, and that's when that picture was taken uh, with grandma and her great-granddaughter, Aria. Hmm.
1: That's beautiful. And so just so I'm clear on some of the, the details, um, your primary home was not burned, right? No, it was not. Right, cuz you're on the on the south side of the island, is that right? Or west?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so we live in we live in Kehoe, uh which is on the south side of the island.
1: Okay. Um there's two there's two there's the two houses here, grandma and cousin's home. Is that the is that the main home you're talking about where you had all the family gatherings?
0: This so the before, I don't know if you got the before yeah, and after I picture. Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the one. Um, that's where everything kind of happens. All the family gatherings and things like that. Okay.
1: I'm so sorry. Thank you. So what does it look like um, in the future now for... Do you have an idea of what the future looks like?
0: Yeah, that's been the the biggest question for me, and I'm a I'm a hardworking person who's kind of solutions-oriented, and so recognizing that it is what it is now, what are we going to do for people as far as housing and the future goes? So I talked to the building department here today about different things, expediting building permits and all that, but uh, the truth is I think right now it's pretty unknown. Uh, we're focused on just meeting uh, more immediate needs and making sure that everybody is is somewhat comfortable uh, and has a place to stay. But the rebuilding process I mean it's 10 to 15 years long at least I would estimate with a lot of a lot of unknowns because you can't rebuild what was there as far as history
1: is concerned. Yeah. When you think of such devastation and tragedy, there is always a certain amount of resilience and um, beauty that comes from the ashes. Is there something like that in in this story as well?
0: I would imagine so, and I think sometimes it's hard to see it initially because of the shock and the we're facing. are face to face with stories and devastation that honestly are probably beyond comprehension. Um, but I was observing yesterday as we're gathering family members and feeding them. And there certainly is a. Uh, you really see the love for each other start to come out in these situations, and so I would say if there's anything that's risen already from that, it's a a sense of community and a strong sense of family. Um, that's here. That Maybe sometimes we get, in, in normal everyday life, we get too busy to stop and pay attention to, but really it's uh, brought us back to a very, very strong family connection and a strong sense of community, for sure.
1: Have you personally lost anybody um, in the fire?
0: So far, thankfully, we have not. There's there's a few people missing from the further extended family, but so far everybody within our immediate and then just closer extended family, everybody is, is calling for. Um, I think a lot of the loss will come from people that didn't have strong family connections calling them, telling them to get out in time. So thankfully, the family here is well-connected, and there was a few cousins and other people that were um, calling Everybody that they could telling them to get out even though the sirens were not sounding.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine what those hours would have been would have felt like. Yeah, very intense. Yeah. What is exactly is it that you do there, Andrew?
0: So I have a small construction company. We do renovations. Um and I also purchase um foreclosure homes and homes that are kind of in bad condition. So I purchase the homes and renovate them and then try to sell them to local families.
1: Hmm. What is it that you love about living in Maui?
0: Hmm. Uh, there's a lot of things. And so I'm, I live on Oahu and Maui. We kind of go back and forth because of business. But uh, Maui, I think the... The sense of community is probably the biggest factor um, now we have our family that we're related to, but honestly with the local people uh, everybody is everybody is family and beyond so beyond the natural beauty of the ocean and the mountains here I think uh, what's more beautiful is the unity and the the closeness of the family on the island
1: how can people help
0: um right now it's that's the question that everybody's asking and we as far as as far as supplies are concerned we actually from what we're hearing on the ground is that we have too much almost at this point and so we're trying not to just send in more water and things like that to Ground Zero, but um, our focus right now has been just financial contribution to people that lost everything. So we we started a GoFundMe page for that for one family and we have another one set up to try to create something, a fund that we can distribute between... um, Honestly, any families we hear about, we have the 50 families within our family that we are um, trying to help directly. And so financial contribution to to somebody's GoFundMe or the typical uh, available avenues, the Red Cross and all those, are incredibly helpful, and uh, prayer goes a long way as well. And so I think beyond uh, financial contribution, if people can keep us in their prayers and things as well.
1: Yeah. And what direction are people praying in?
0: Uh, I think, honestly, just for clarity for the future, um, to go in, honestly, it felt like it was about six hours, to go from, I guess, what would be a long-time normal life to having no idea what the future holds because the, the fallout, is that people are going to lose their jobs because this hub is now gone. And so it employed a lot of people. It was a, a main center for tourism and things like that. And so the future is just so unknown. And so I guess I would encourage people to direct prayers for, uh, for clarity and that um, people would just have wisdom to know what to do for next steps.
1: Yeah, and for provision
0: and (laughs) provisions, almost supernatural provisions, because it's um, the need, uh, seeing it this close and face-to-face, it's beyond, it almost looks too big, so it's easier to maybe sit aside and just, like, acknowledge how big it is. Uh, It seems almost impossible, but we just want to do what we can and get the word out, even beyond the islands, because I know that... I mean, Maui has given, and Hawaii has given so much to people from all over the world. I think uh, people come here to recharge, enjoy the ocean, enjoy the landscape, and the people. And so, I think that I think there's going to be people in the world outside of the island chain that want to give back to Hawaii, and it's uh, in a major time of need.
1: Yeah, absolutely. How big of a square footage is that area?
0: Uh, The entire area that was burned?
1: Yeah.
0: Posted in acres right now, so it's 2,000 acres that have burned so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you can imagine, I know that growing up in the Pemina Valley, 2,000 acres is not that much, just under four sections, I guess it would be, but uh, for an island... Uh, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. So a lot of people just have no idea what to do, and that's, that's what we're working on is, like, what are the next steps? But at the same time, people are in a pretty deep sense of grief and things right now, uh, just trying to process. The a lot of times it's just them sitting around reminiscing about... Uh, what it was is everybody kind of processes the grief and we're doing our best to help them make the next steps and whatever we can do to get them started on that road.
1: Yeah. Is there anything else, Andrew, that you want to say, maybe share that that I didn't ask about because I don't know, but something that you would think um, needs to be said at this point?
0: There's a line of cars on one of the roadways that was a line of people that were trying to get out and talking to first responders uh, and hearing what they found inside the cars is just um, kind of beyond words but
1: yeah because that that,
0: devastation beyond what what people can I think beyond what we can imagine Uh, I've seen pictures of Iraq, and my brother served in Afghanistan and things like that, and I can only compare it to some of the devastation that I've seen pictures of over there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like it's one... Th- it's it's terribly sad to lose your house and all of your belongings, but when it, it factors in people, friends, family, neighbors, the guy you bought stuff from.
0: Yeah. And the island is so tight that everybody knows everybody, and so it's, um, it's definitely gonna hit everybody, especially oh, all the locals, for sure, it's gonna hit them, because for sure, if they weren't related to him, they they knew the person. Yeah. And then beyond, beyond that, like we said, I think it's important for people to understand, and I, I alluded to it before, that it's not just a house that was lost, It's really people's past and their future is what it feels like, and so that's the difficult part Um, and why people maybe don't know what to do because it's not just about rebuilding a house. Um, People lost everything that they've worked for for decades, And, and we're hoping to leave to their kids in the future.
1: Yeah. But... Well, Andrew, um, prayers for wisdom for you to know what to do to just carry people through and the strength to do that in.
0: I yeah. appreciate that. And thank you for thank you for taking the time to do this. I know we're 6,000 miles apart, but <laughs> uh, it's like heartland, the heartland to Hawaii. We can make it happen. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I,
0: just, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, we're strong, strong there, and I'm in the area uh, once a month, average or so and so i'm still very connected there and i appreciate i appreciate feeling concern and compassion from people so far away and i know what the community is like there and so it's not surprising to me uh, but we're really really grateful for it
1: awesome yeah you know your mom was just such a a light in in the world that she had and and it definitely shone on me and so when i'm we're facebook friends and so when i saw the pictures i thought you know um, my job as a news reporter is to reach out to people and get the the localist feeling that we can get to share those stories that we know impact sure. people's lives. And so thank you for taking the time and making that time to share your heart with us and so that I could share that with the community.
0: For sure, No, and I appreciate it so much again. Thank you, and to anybody involved in this and everything else, just thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts, too.